Okay. Never heard of him. Sorry. Whatever your first name is, Al Penix, whatever it is, I'm sorry I'd never heard of you. I apologize. Al Penix. Okay? It's Penix. Penix, Penix, you say tomato, whatever. This is the Greg Cody Show with Greg Cody. Pardon it. Here's your host, Greg Cody. Dad, how should we start the episode? <laughs> well, we it, this is a big one because we have Ron McGill joining us, uh, not to talk about animals, although we may do that too, but to talk about a book about animals. So this is exciting. Wow. Uh, McGill and I have uh, combined on a, a brand new book that's uh, coming out on December 5th, but is available for pre-order now. It's called The Pride of a Lion. We're both super excited about this. It's It's a great endeavor. You guys had word sex, and you've made a book. Correct. That's right. Yes, Ron. It it it's the book would not exist uh, without Ron McGill. The book is his idea. It includes his photography, but but I wrote the thing. It's my words. So and, he stimulated um, with his mouth, and you with your fingers. I don't particularly like that imagery, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I suppose you could say that. Uh, it's uh, it's it's his quote. I'm I, I, I'm not in the book as me. Like I'm not. Um, Writing about Greg Cody, I'm writing about Ron McGill. And when Ron joins us, I'll ask him about this analogy. Oh yeah, please. Okay. Oh my God. Um, yeah. So that's going to be exciting. I'm I'm super. You know, I'm I'm not one for hyperbole. I, I I'm not one to boast about things I do. But I am genuinely proud of this book that Ron and I have created. We'll have enough hobnobbing about the book with Ron. So why don't we get to other stuff before Ron joins us? Okay. All right. What have you been following Stephen A. Smith's uh, war with Jason Whitlock? No, Jason. I mean, are you sure it's it's Stephen A. Smith? Jason Whitlock's at war with everybody. I know, but Stephen A. Smith, and, unless I'm being mistaken, unless I'm being fooled by the internet, Stephen A. Smith of ESPN called Jason Whitlock a fat bastard. God, you guys, I feel like Dan too did this earlier this week. You, Stephen A. Smith is playing you guys all like a fiddle. What happened? I mean, he's just doing stuff and he's just getting everyone talking about him. Like, why are, like, I just, like, everyone's so interested in everything Stephen A. Smith does nowadays. Okay. It's, it's more power I, to I, him. It's good on him. I'm not criticizing him. I'm not even saying I'm not interested. It's just wild that that's, like, where you want to go with it. No, the thing is, I normally don't give a shit about what Stephen A. Smith says. I think he's, you know, he, I like, I like him. I think he's a great personality, a, a big ESPN star. Um, you know, he's comical though. You know, I always get, you know, you always get mad at me for, for claiming he's a cartoon, you well, know, he's, a, he's a performer. And, he's a performer. He's a performer. He doesn't but need normally, to be, he doesn't need to be sped up to 1.8 to be talking with good energy. He just does okay. it naturally. He does it naturally. Unlike myself, but, um, when he, nobody calls anybody else a fat bastard. Like you don't make fun of somebody's appearance. Like that, that just shocked me that he would do that. Wait, you're on team and Whitlock right here. What's that? You're on team Whitlock. Okay. No, I don't like Jason Whitlock. I was about to say, this is a weird, like this, I do no, not no. expect you to go here with this topic. Okay. Don't get me wrong. Jason Whitlock's politics have really turned me off. And, and it's like, he's become a different person in the last few years, but someone calls him fat. And that's the line. People call me fat all the time. Dan calls me fat. They call you fat j jokingly. You know the the whole fat Chris persona is is a is a, a show 
thing. I mean, it's a joke. But now, are you telling me Stephen A. Smith said that jokingly? Like, uh, I'm just kidding. I like Jason. I, I didn't mean to call him a fat bastard. You don't call somebody a fat bastard unless you're trying to really be mean. Or watching Austin Powers, too. Well, that's true. That's true. Okay. I, okay Ron's but, here. I mean, this is that. I think we just got to. Uh, like why? Uh, let's not even talk about this if we're going to end up defending Jason Whitlock. I'm not defending Jason Whitlock. <laughs> I'm shocked that Stephen A. Smith would call another human being a fat bastard, and I wondered what the background of that was because I haven't read enough to know what led him to call him that. Well, you know, maybe let's read about it more before we talk about it next time. So you don't know either. <laughs> uh, this is just where Greg Cody brings up headlines. All okay, right, you don't on. know either. In other words, no. Okay, maybe Ron knows. Let's ask Ron. Let's not. <laughs> hey, Ron. Hello, Ron. Gentlemen, how are you? Good. All right. Calling from the famous office full of mementos. <laughs> the Den of Curios. That's right. The Den of Curios. <laughs> that's correct. That's one of the chapters in the book. I think I think that's what it's called. Yeah. Uh, that That's what I've suggested. But, uh, uh, Ron, before we talk about our book, and we're both super excited about it, I want to ask you... Um, do you have any idea why Stephen A. Smith referred to Jason Whitlock as a fat bastard? Oh, jeez. I don't have a clue. Thank okay. you. As you should. As you, as you should. We don't either, apparently. All right. I brought it up, hoping that Christopher would know, and he doesn't. And, and you're still going with it. It's like, no one cares, Dad. Just moving on. Okay, I R care. Ron, I care. I want, so you and my dad, to make this book, I was saying I was, we were building up the book before you joined us here, and I was saying that you guys made love with words. Um, it was, you know, I didn't have anything to do with the words. So it was more like your dad was masturbating with the words. Because yes. he did it all on his own. <laughs> <laughs> but you he really said the words together you, all on his own. You said the words at some point, not, not obviously like the way he wrote them, but you said a bunch of stuff to my dad's ears. I, exactly. I, 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 I told the story in my mundane, horrible way. And he took those words and created this tapestry of, God, it was just such beauty that I couldn't believe it was uh, the story I told him. Because I envisioned okay. it being like uh, lovemaking where you used your mouth a lot and my dad used his fingers. That's like what I was visualizing. Okay, let's not, let's not. Uh... Went, that went south very quickly. Yes. Okay. <laughs> you know what? Instead of, uh, instead of likening my writing process to masturbation, can't we just call it a lovely parade of words. There we there, go. That's exactly what it was. It was, okay. like I said, it's this tapestry of words that created a carpet of luxury, of, 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 of passion, of sadness, of happiness, this roller coaster of emotions that uh, no one could do like your father did and just molding it into this, I think, wonderful piece of work. I, I can't, I'm so proud to be a part of it. I am too, and it. I already mentioned before you came on it. It it comes out officially December fifth, just in time for your holiday shopping. Yes. <laughs> um, coincidentally, almost like we didn't plan it that way, but um, but it's it's on pre order now. Like you can go to Amazon, Barnes and Noble is selling it, Target stores. Uh, it, it's pretty much available as the cliche goes. Anywhere you find books, you're going to find our new book. And I got to tell you something. The great thing about this, at least in my from my perspective, is that, you know, I'm one of those guys, if you got one of these really thick, long books, you got to read like one chapter here, fold a page, read another chapter. And I kind of forgot what I read in the first chapter. This is a book that if you dedicate yourself a day or a long airplane flight, you can get through it. It is just yeah. one of those great stories that I think you can get through 
on something like that. You know, when you're on a plane, like I say, a few hours on a plane and you can get through at least the majority of the book. And I think that's what makes it great. It really is this great opportunity to kind of get into another world and see something from a different perspective and be done with it. Yeah, I, I agree. It, it's a little bit less than 200 pages, and that includes your award-winning photography. And, um, you know, for people who have read me in the Herald for years, uh, each chapter, I think there's, what, seven or eight chapters, and each chapter is probably the equivalent of four or five columns of mine. So if, if you have been reading my columns, you know, picture the column being, a, a, a you know, four, four times that is one I don't chapter. think that's a weird way to do math on the column, Dad. I mean, I know like, it is. On a more important note, if you read Greg's columns, it's the same style of writing. You know, it's a conversation. You feel like you're really having a conversation. You're not reading an essay that somebody's grading you on. I think one of the things I mentioned to, to Greg, as soon as I was reading some of the first drafts, I go, what I love about this is it's real. You know, it's the way people speak. It's not necessarily yeah. grammatically perfect. Um, you know, instead of saying going to, he'll say gonna. And he'll say, yeah. just like you're having this conversation, I think that's why you have so many fans of your column because of the way you write. And I'm just so happy that that style trans translated right into this book. I also think it's a subject matter. Uh, it, it's it's a not to give too many intimate details away, but it's basically the life story of Kawasi. Uh, the lion, who was the first male lion cub born at your zoo, uh, went through terrible childhood, so to speak, almost died, survived, and and grew up in, in the context of lying, lions being endangered in a lot of ways and diminishing worldwide. This is the survival of a single lion who went on to become a father of his own. And it's an emotional story, Ron, and I also think it's a story for all ages. I, I think, you, you know, you can be in grade school and read it and, and uh, you can be 100 years old and read it if your eyesight is still good enough at 100 to read. So I agree. I think one of the nice things about it, it's like, you know, the, the subtitle of the book says what animals can teach us about family, about about emotion, about love. I mean, there is so much that animals can teach us. And I think Quasi in his own special way, along with his mom, Asha and stepmom, Kashif and all, they all kind of illustrate the emotions of animals. Right. And and um, I also wanted to make it, uh, you know, it, it was presented to me uh, by you as basically a, a book about this lion. And, and the subtext was what animals could teach us, et cetera. But um, with your indulgence and, and probably kicking and screaming, uh, I turned it sort of into a biography about you, who is very deserving of the attention, because, you know, you, you, you can't write a whole story about a lion who does not grant you an interview. You know, as much as I tried to actually get Kwasi to talk to me, uh, he wouldn't do it. He declined all interview requests. So the story is through you, and uh, and and you're deserving of of the attention because you get a lot of it through the Levitard Show and through Good Morning America, and you've done a TED Talk, and and you're famous uh, nationally as an advocate of animals and a and a wildlife crusader, but. Uh, you deserve to have this book, not only about Kwasi, but also about Ron McGill, who's done so much. So I was happy to sort of steer the book in that direction as well. As uncomfortable as I was with that, Greg, I'm incredibly flattered, I'm very moved by it. Uh, again, a bit uncomfortable, but uh, you know what? I, at the end of the day, I'm happy for my kids and grandkids and great grandkids who I might never see, because I think you did a great job of kind of expressing what's important to me and the things that were important to me and, and, and what I went through to get where I am today, which was a lot of different things. And I, and I hope it could be an inspiration to other kids. I have kids come up to me all the time and say, I want to do what you do. I want to be 
you are. And um, this is a bit of a roadmap of that. And- is. And, and we also get into the book about, you know, there's there's a, a parallel in a way between your life and Kawasi's and, and, you know, you were bullied as a kid. You were really yep. tall and gangly and, and Hispanic and people would make fun of you and call you names and, and, uh, and, and look what you became, you know? So it's, uh, I do think it's an inspirational book, even if it doesn't try to be just the stories we're telling there. Uh, Ron, you and I first met uh, to talk about this book in the office where you sit right now. Yeah. And I'm trying to think back to how long that was. Was this a, this was a year long project for us or, or yeah, almost? I think, I think it was about a year long project. You know, you know, when you take into consideration, uh, we both have full time jobs and you especially are always on deadlines for every sports thing in the world. So, I mean, I'm amazed that you were able to make the deadlines that you made because really, Greg, I'm not trying to, to patronize you or anything, but, you know, I just talked. I just talked. I, right. I got the privilege to take you out to go meet Quasi, to go see his kids. And, you know, I, you did all the work and I feel so like I feel guilty about that because it's so easy for me, like I'm doing right now to talk. But you transcribe that into words in such a way that, damn, I'm proud to read that. I've read it a couple of times already just because it's so enjoyable for me. I, I appreciate that. What's the worst chapter? Come on, admit it. There has to be one stinker in there. Come on. What's the one you were like, Greg, you could have done a little better with this one. There's really no stinker. Uh, he, he, If anything, he just... He was too too kind in a, in a lot of ways, but you know, especially when he when he covered the quasi story. I mean, when I read it, and I'm not lying to you guys, I got emotional as I read the story and I told him the story. I my eyes welled up and I got emotional. So that says a lot because again, I know the story, having read it, and to feel those emotions surge up again was very powerful. Yeah, that's that's the best compliment you can pay a writer is when his word, his or her words, evoke that kind of emotion, and and I hope the readers get that same feeling because it is an emotional story. Uh, you know, I, I got emotional talking to you about it and writing it. You know, I'd be sitting in my office uh, transcribing and, and writing the words and, uh, and and sometimes my eyes would get a little bit moist. Um, I'll tell you, Rick, I got I to gotta say one thing, though. I wish the one thing I regret is I regret not taking a photograph of you when you were looking at Quasi. On our, uh, last, on our last visit out there, yeah. Greg, I wish I could express to you the look on your face. You were almost like a proud dad yourself, the way you looked at him. And I mean, that massive lion was what, maybe 10 feet in front of you right there yeah. in the in the habitat with him, you know, of course, in the shelter of a vehicle. But I wish I could capture that smile you had on your face as you looked at him. And I saw you kind of penning words on your paper, because if I had one wish, Greg, it would be that everybody who reads this book could have sat in that chair that you were sitting in looking at that lion. Because that's yeah. that connection was powerful, and, and I'm telling you, you know, you're a hardcore sports guy, and you know, we always <laughs> make we always make fun of you and stuff on the on the Levitard show and kind of doing things. But there was a little surge of of powerful emotion I saw in your face there that made the project just totally, uh, you know, indelible in my mind. Well, I have to tell you, lions have always been magical animals to me. You know, whether it's it's the the roar of the MGM lion or the Lion King movie, uh, the King of the Jungle, you know, it's just that particular animal has always had a piece of my heart. And and so I wanted to write this story. It interested me. You didn't have to sell me on the idea. And and I had never in my life been that close to a full-grown lion with the majestic mane and, you know, teeth that could shred me to oblivion in about two seconds if given the opportunity and in a bad mood and and it was just awesome it literally the the word awesome uh, is rooted in the word awe and it was awesome 
to be that close to this animal that I had invested many, many months of my professional life writing about, you know, and, and so the idea that that our work on this book is culminating and about to be shared with the public is um it it's a a thrill of of my career it really is and and I've done this writing thing a long time green that means a lot to me and like I said it was a privilege I don't want to I don't want to have this be the uh, you know the mutually uh, fawning on everybody parade here I see Chris shaking his head it's, in the it's definitely right happening now. I mean you guys yeah, are doing I, I, it. I got I got it, Chris yeah, okay man. I'm sorry. Your dad just crushed it on this one. I'm sorry. Yeah. Crushed it. Did you experience Greg Cody the diva at all? Because he can be, you know, if if come on, give me the give me the good stuff, Ron. Give me give me like tell me something bad about my dad's. That that is the good stuff because you know I've experienced Greg Cody the you know the, the kind of laid back guy sometimes yeah. trying to play kind of little stupid on the Levitard show like I don't know what you're talking about isn't that you know uh, he's got a shtick that's associated with him you know somewhat the the, the disheveled look the uh, you know this is who yeah. I am. But I saw a look in him. I'm telling you, Chris, I wish you could have seen your dad yeah. as he's looking at this lion, 400 plus pounds, 10 feet in front of him. And this smile he had on his face, I, I bet you it's somewhat similar to the smile he had when he saw you for the first time, Chris. Yeah. Or I see <laughs> I see it when he's around my my daughter, his granddaughter. There you go. There you go. You know what? <laughs> there you go. I'm, I'm not going to compare anything to uh, my love for my granddaughter, but, um, but uh, I, I did love my involvement in this book and and uh, I'm I'm very pleased with the way it came out but mostly I'm I'm grateful for the opportunity to be involved in the whole project um I, I do I, I do I, I do have let me I do have a way yeah. to break up this uh you know this Hellfest? yes uh, <laughs> yeti our our producer our third guy here who's not here has just sent in an email with a voice note for a question I'm going to play it over my speaker here we'll, in post we will make this sound better for the audience but Hopefully Ron can hear this. Let's let's do it. Okay. Hey Ron, it's Yeti. Uh, sorry I couldn't be there to record this time, but I do want to congratulate you and Greg on the book. Um, I'm excited for it to be released so I can pick up a copy. Um, the last time you and I spoke, we discovered that we both uh, wear size 14 shoes. Pretty cool. <laughs> that, of course, always brings out the jokes of, you know what they say about big feet. Um, could the same joke apply in the, uh, in the animal kingdom? Uh, anyway... Take care, Ron. We'll catch you next time. Okay. Yeah, you know, that's, that, that, that's a good question. I got it very clearly. Yeah. Um, probably not. Lions have massive paws, and a fully erect lion penis is probably about two and a half inches. Okay. Oh, wow. How about that? And and is there any <laughs> is there any of the opposite with animals with really small? Yes, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Look it up. The taper, T-A-P-I-R. It's a type of, of uh, ungulate. Uh, kind of a cro you know, distant relative of the rhino and the horse, odd-toed ungulate, has, you know, three toes, normal-sized toes on its feet. It has a penis that, when fully erect, goes all the way from its abdomen and touches the ground. Jeez. Oh, yeah. That's what most people say. I'm, I'm looking at it right now. That is very small feet and a huge penis. Uh, it's massive. Yeah, that's this, very look impressive. At this. I mean, who would have thought? F full circle from where we started. Never judge a book by its cover, brother. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so we, we go from a giant penis to... um. I had one more question about the book, Ron, because I don't think I ever asked you this directly. How did the idea for the book be become real? Like, uh, what was the genesis of this whole idea? I think for me is when I photographed and I looked at the photographs and I realized the story. And to be honest with you, my first my first inclination was this would be just a great picture book for kids. I looked at it like a book of um, for a child who might be adopted. You know, that motherhood isn't defined necessarily by blood, but by who yeah. loves 
who cares for you, who raises you. And I, I pictured it as taking my photographs and almost kind of stylizing them into cartoons where you have one picture and then two lines in the bottom, like a children's book. I really did that. And it wasn't until I spoke, you know, I, I, a dear friend, Mitch Kaplan of Books and Books, I spoke to him. I said, you know, I've got these photographs and I did this and I kind of showed him kind of, of a pictogram of telling the story as a kid's book, just real simple kid's book. And he looked at me, he says, you know, this, this is really more than just a kid's book. I think it's something that could resonate with a much bigger audience, including kids. And that's when he connected me with the folks at Mango Publishing. You know, I said, listen, I want you to do this for them. And then COVID came and everything kind of stopped and we kind of didn't follow through on anything. And right after COVID kind of subsided, Mango called me up and said, listen, we're, we want to follow up with this book type thing. And they said, you know, and I did a presentation and that's when they said, well, you know, we think this could be more than just a children's book. We think it needs to be more of a kind of a, a neat a book about animals in a way that everybody could read. And I, and I just said, I, I'm just not a great writer. And they said, well, no, we can come up with a ghostwriter, you know? And I said, wow, I don't know if I'd be comfortable with that because I, I, I just didn't know. And, and that's when, when Mango said, listen, you know, Greg Cody is, you know him and you guys do the Levitard show together. And, you know, I said, and I, I'll be honest with you. I said, there's no way he's going to be able to do it. The guy has just got so much stuff on his plate. And why is a sports writer going to want to write an, you know, an animal story? Yeah. Uh, that's exactly <laughs> what I said to him. And I, and I said, and I just don't feel comfortable asking him because I just feel like he's just such a nice guy. I don't want to put him in that position. And then Mango said, we'll ask him. I said, oh God. And I just expected him to say, hey, and he's too busy to come back. And when I got the message, hey, Greg said he'll do it. I went, what? Well. <laughs> The weird thing about this is that it did coincide with maybe the busiest sports year of my entire life. I know. With, I mean, with the Hurricanes making the Final Four, the Panthers and the Heat both making the final of their sport, uh, football bigger than ever. I mean, the Marlins making the playoff, Inter-Miami signing Lionel Messi. I mean, it was... <laughs> That's funny. That's hilarious. It's true. You know, That's the, why... teams, the teams down here have been so bad for so many years, and my dad finally gets a book deal, and it's like, all right, and every team's going to make the championship right. also. It, it was crazy. <laughs> That's what makes it that much more uh, I mean, precious for me, that you went and did this through all of that and still wrote just kick-ass columns on every one of those subjects. And for the people, as my dad pointed out earlier, for people keeping track at home, if you read this book, 59 columns, Dad, or 58, what was it the equivalent of? Uh, it's probably the equivalent of eight times four, probably the equivalent of like 35 to 40 columns. Wow. Um, I mean, that's yeah. just no one would I mean, ever read a book through that kind of lens, but it's good that you thought about it for us, Dad. That's right. Thank you. And, and by the way, most people know this uh, who, who listen to The Levitard Show and, and who feel like they've known you for years, but you're such an accomplished uh, photographer, a Nikon ambassador. Uh, the photography alone is a reason to buy this book. So for the Stugatzes out there. So if you don't read, if you don't read and you just want some good pictures, <laughs> it's a great pictures to look at, but, but uh, you know, I, in, in closing um, and, and hopefully we've wet the appetite for this book and, and I'm going to put it out on social media as the podcast comes out Monday where you can get the book and all. Um, but it, it, this has been such a breath of fresh air for me. All I've done for the past half a century is write about sports, essentially. And to write about something that had nothing to do with sports just was invigorating to me. It was so different than what I normally write that it was a challenge, and uh, I was so glad to accept it and, uh, and to hopefully succeed with it. So 
I'm proud and and I'm really blown away that you did it. Uh, for me to uh, have my name next to yours on this thing, it's just it, it, I'm freaking out. I'm pinching myself. Um, and also just to to plant the seed, uh, it's just been finalized. I don't know if you're available on December 9th, but they're going to have a big thing here at the zoo, an evening with me and maybe Greg Cody if he's available, where I'm going to tell the story and. It's going to be a huge opportunity to get the book at a hugely discounted price Ooh. because um, you can get a ticket that includes some bites and drinks. I'm going to do the whole living story, show all the photographs of this incredible story, so many that are not in the book, and you'll get the book included with the ticket price, which is going to be $25 that includes the presentation, the book. Wow. I'll be there and you'll be there to sign it if you want. A little food and drink. It's all included. Guys, on a I'll night. be there too. And I'll okay. be there. Wow. There you go. Yes. December so 9th. We haven't even we haven't even announced it yet, but I know I just came out of a meeting before I came on your podcast and it has been finalized. It'll be going all over. So uh, 100, 100 people is the max we can take in there. It's the max that room can take, but it's going to be a wonderful, intimate evening. I hope you can make it, Greg. I know Chris will be there yeah. because if you can make it, it's an evening with Ron and Greg and the story of Quasi. Yeah. Excellent. Well, uh, I, I have every intention of making it. And if I don't, then Christopher can dress like me no. and, uh, and wear old man makeup and pretend to be me. Dad, would you would you say that you what you you've done with your career all wants the same thing and then you got to do this almost like bringing a new position into the bedroom? I would not say that. Right. No, I would Good never. Night, everyone. I would Good never night, go there. Good night, everyone. But, uh, Chris, man, Jesus, you go south fast. <laughs> not a. Well, he really does. I, I don't know. Did I raise this kid? What the, what the hell's going on here? Well, we started um, there. We started there, so I just had to bring it back at the end. That's true. Okay, and I'm sorry. Yeah, put a bow on it, so to speak. <laughs> um, Ron, thank you as always. Appreciate you. You can uh, you can go back to the real world now and uh, and get out of this Zoom. But uh, I am get so out of forward. this Zoom. Jesus, what a weird way to say that. I, I am so looking forward to December 5th, the, the birthday yes. for our book. And uh, and uh, I'm going to be involved in as much of the promotion as I can, including that December 9th event you mentioned at the zoo. So exciting times ahead. And and thanks for Thank involving you, me. You're, the, you're the best. I appreciate it. We'll talk to you guys later. All right. Thanks, Ron. See you, Ron. Well, was that enough of a love fest? Did I make that weird? No. <laughs> We did get Ron and I did get a little carried away though, and and you know what? I feel like I got a little carried away there with like the jokes I was making. I feel like okay, it's 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 okay, but it's it's rare. It's 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 rare where you get a a weird like I got a smile from Ron there that was like okay, maybe you don't love that I'm making these jokes. Yeah, all right, that's why you know they invented an editor. We can uh, take that out of the podcast if you want. Although you rarely take out things that are embarrassing, so we'll count on we'll count on. Well, I do if it's for me. No, because it's embarrassing for me, so I might actually take it out. Um, podcast family, I apologize if that was too much of a, a love fest, but what you heard from Ron and I was not uh, contrived. It was what I would call genuine uh, enthusiasm for this book. I mean, seriously. But everyone loves their own book, right? It would be funny if uh, someone doing promotion for their book was like, just okay. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> like. You know, you're right about that. You could take it or leave it. Yeah. But but keep in mind, uh, while I have authored thousands of columns over the year, over the years, this is my first proper book. Now, I I, I did, quote unquote, I'm the author of Fins at 50, which came out a few years ago, a Dolphins book, history book. But uh, but but that was not a proper book. This is it's it's short. It's a little less than 200 pages, but it is, is a proper book that uh, that I completely it, wrote. So uh, we're happy about it that. Really no was. artificial intelligence was used in the making of this book my favorite part of that interview and i made fun of it at the end was really you genuinely telling the audience like it's anything anyone cares about 
what the equivalent of this book is in terms of your columns. Okay. Just well, because that's the way you thought about writing each chapter. Yes. Because so in your mind, you're like, this has to be this long. Right. So, well, like, but, you know, that, but it's that's... like nobody's thinking of it through that prism. You're, and, and at one point, you're like, for those of you at home who are thinking it, it's about 30 to 32 columns of mine. Okay. But here's <laughs> the thing the publisher, when the publisher tells me, all right, this chapter should be about 3,000 words. Okay. When I'm told that, I immediately think, okay. An average Miami Herald column of mine is about 650 yeah, to 850 words. Dad, but that's so, that's that's so inside. That's like me being like, we release podcast audio, and it's somewhere between zero and three. No, you're that. right, but like, but like but that like, was yeah. a start. That was a starting point for me, though, because when somebody tells me I, I have to dad, write three thousand words, know, I'm like, all right, dad, dad, you don't have to say again. I know that's what your your that's thought like process. Four long columns, right? But it's not that interesting for the okay. audience. I know okay. you're just gonna keep saying back to me that no, no, no that's just my thought process was. I know <laughs> you're right. Okay, I'm, wait, we're I'm here. So, At least we're still talking about it. I know, but I am so excited about this book that uh, I I feel like I'm on adrenaline right now. I feel like I'm on. Uh, a hyper caffeine rush because I'm so excited about this. But um, well, let's take a break then. I think we should go to just just take a deep breath and we'll, okay. we'll talk some sports on the back end here. All right, sounds good. Speaking <laughs> of back end, I mean, geez, full circle. <laughs> Before we <laughs> leave it in. Before we come back from this break, right now, we're in the middle of a commercial. We're not even part of the show right now. This is weird. It's like a weird space. I'm looking around. It's just an empty room. Like Usually, we're in our studio recording, but commercials, you're just in this weird room that there's just sheets everywhere. It's called the Sheets and Giggles com- com- Commercial Recording Room. Anyways, sheetsgiggles.com slash Greg. Yeti, did you tell me that there's $600 off a mattress right now? Yes, Chris. To celebrate their sixth anniversary, all the way this week through through the 19th, you can get $600 off of their large or queen mattresses. Chris, tell them how good of a deal that is. It's so good that normally we give, we give with our code 20% off, and now we can only do 10%. The deals are that good, guys. Go to this website right now. Check out everything they have. They have six, what was it, $6 deals, 6% deals. I'm not sure if those are still around. All I do know is that they're $600 off their king and queen mattresses. I'm telling you, the deals are so good on their site for everyone right now that our, our discount only gets you 10%. This week, and I'm telling you, if they're cutting down the discount, the offers must be insanely good. So go to sheetsgiggles.com slash Greg, promo code anniversary. For that extra 10% off, uh, go get yourself a mattress. Buy your cousin a mattress because your cousin's always been there for you in the tough times and in the great good times. Uh, they, were, they were at your wedding and they were there when you went through a breakup. Babe. Wow. Hey, cousin. So repay your cousin by buy. What did, what did I say? Why do you have them having sex with their cousin? Hey, cousin. Anyway. Kissing cousins. What? Nothing. DeMarcus Cousins. Sheetsgiggles.com slash Greg. Promo code anniversary. Go there now. We love you. Back to the show. Dad, for some reason, the last couple days, you've been sending me uh, like two and a half, three minute clips of you singing some random song. Okay. And I just want to let you know that that, that those, clips, listening? those clips you've been sending are the equivalent to about if I, if you sent me 20 of those, that'd be about one podcast length. Okay, that's yeah. fair. 
<laughs> You're making fun of my McGill reference. I just I wanted it. to give you that fact. I thought I thought, I thought you might find it interesting. I do find it interesting. Why are you sending me car- you doing karaoke? <laughs> um, because I hope it inspires you to suggest that um, that I should do some sort of an album. Um, I, I think you should do an album, but I think it should be risque and naughty. Yeah. See, that's the problem. I think it should be, I think it should be Greg Cody's love Christmas album. Yeah, that's not going to happen. Yes, it will. <laughs> yeah, that won't happen. Yes, it will. I want to sing serious songs that, that are that, heartfelt. No one wants to hear that, but you. I don't care. I do. Like, <laughs> All right. All right. We're just have to agree to disagree on this. Okay. Well, I've, I've got producers lined up uh, if you okay. didn't want to do it, you know. Oh, I do, and I will. Dad, karaoke, like you doing karaoke, like is just, if we're going to do a creative you doing an album, that would be fun. Okay. I do want to do an album. All right. Anyway. We can talk about that later. Christopher, before we talk about sports, I, I need to, I need the two Cody's. I need the Cody men to repair their terribly fractured relationship with the service industry. Um, this is reaching a critical mass. Um, over the over the years, you have painted me as someone who's a small tipper, someone who's rude to the waitstaff. I don't think either of those things is true. And now, on the last episode, you have gotten everybody up in arms and gotten nasty. Uh, one-star reviews left for us based on the fact that you said you talked to waiters and waitresses in your baby and dog voice, which really pissed off a lot of people, apparently. That was a joke. Oh, well, I thought it was a joke, and I actually thought it was funny, but I think that you maybe should apologize or something. So the the listeners actually thought that I greet waiters and waitresses with, how are you doing? <laughs> I was just trying to think of a ridiculous thing because we were making the con- observation that you only use that voice for animals right. and babies. And babies, right. And it was like, it'd be funny if I did that to animals, babies, and dentists. And it was just, I had this okay, weird... Inf- but then dentists would be upset. That's, it was just a joke to have a random, you know... Okay. Those people don't get the show and screw them, is what I say. I get it. Okay. All right. Fine. Um. By the way, I meant to say this as soon as we came out of uh, saying goodbye to McGill, but thank you, Ron, for being on with us. And um, before our book drops on December 5th, maybe we'll have you on again to uh, further pimp the book and goose sales. Christopher, did you go to the Dolphin game today? We're, we're recording this early Sunday evening. No. Okay. Um, it was a, an amazing thing to see because it's the first time in my life where the Dolphins have had an early 14 to nothing deficit deficit. And I have not been the least bit concerned. Yeah. Like at 14 nothing down, I would have bet $1,000 that they're going to win that game. And I, I think tr- I would have bet 100 bucks that they're still going to cover, which they did. I, try- I tried to bet 1000 bucks. That no, I'm kidding. Not that much. <laughs> but I literally, when they were down 14 nothing, looked at the live odds because I was like, oh, if they're an underdog right now, I'm going to jump on them. They were still minus 200. Is that true? Yeah. Like down 14 nothing, they were still... That means that means you have to risk two hundred bucks to win a hundred. I know Yeti okay. is, is, wants to learn what all this stuff means. Right? Maybe Yeti and I will do a special po- Greg Cody show podcast where I just teach him how like all this gambling stuff works. Because it's only so me. I can write a song. That's all right. I care about. Okay. But, <laughs> I'll be but happy to, to miss that episode. By the way, when the um, Dolphins were down fourteen nothing, you could have bet two hundred on them to win the game, and it would have only profited. A hundred dollars. Wow! Right, because they were that big of a favorite. Still down fourteen, nothing. Yeah, um, they honored Zach Thomas at halftime. They gave him his Hall of Fame ring, and the Dolphins 
to their credit, brought out all the heavy artillery. Uh, Larry's uncle was there. Dan Marino was there. All the legends of the franchise were there to support Zach. And Zonka and Marino were watching the best offense in Dolphins history. A lot of people think I'm um, hyperbole for that or think I'm way too soon on that. But this is the best uh, all-around offense the Dolphins have ever had. It's the first. Zonka's offense ran the ball like great and, and barely passed. Marino's offense set NFL passing records and barely ran. They sucked running the ball. And so this is the first time the Dolphins have had the best offense in the league that could do anything. They could beat you any which way. Raheem Mostert has 11 touchdowns in six games. This is insane what they're doing. And it's the best 17-game home stretch of my lifetime. Yes. Like, like it this, is so literally. like it is it like just overall they are just this is right now a, a weird time for dolphin fans of my age because they're the team that everyone wants to be right now and even and, and everything's like falling in their place the the Niners lost today not that yep. that has anything to do with it but like the Chiefs look human the Bills lost last week. I know like, this is weird because the Bills play tonight. So if the Bills look really good, this does, you know what I mean? It's <laughs> it's just nobody, all the other top teams, there there seems to be little holes in them. And right. I'm not saying the Dolphins are perfect. Their defense hasn't looked great, but their defense is actually better than it even looks statistically right now because they've had a, they've given up a pick six in both of these last two games. And right. for some reason, those pick sixes count against defenses, don't they? um like points per game yes they do yeah they're yeah they're they count against overall points allowed and they shouldn't you're right so i know that recently they've had an easier schedule but their defensive numbers are a little better than they even appear right and and you 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 didn't mention philadelphia which as we're speaking right now Ah, sunday evening test they're struggling to beat the jets you know and the game in philadelphia next week is is one of a parade of litmus test games for this franchise i'm glad you mentioned that game because if the jets come back and win that's a real accurate statement you just said uh <laughs> well, well you probably have the game on in the background i'm Update watching it right it. now i'm just saying okay. you could have just gotten away with not mentioning like that actual matchup with the jets but it i am looking forward to the dolphins next week in philadelphia i bet i bet they're favored by what i bet they go in favored by like 3 who miami yeah no way you think they'll be no. an underdog? Yeah, I think I think Philly's Dad, definitely going to be favored by three said, and what maybe did you, four. What did you just say? They're struggling to beat the Jets. Right. They're also unbeaten, assuming they beat the Jets. That's they reached the Super Bowl last year. Oh, Jalen Hurts is playing please great. Please give me the Dolphins plus points in that game. And I'm not someone that bets the Dolphins. I did not bet them today because I was like worried that they would play a close game. And right. I would love the Dolphins plus any points next week. As, yeah, as no, I, think, as, I think nationally, I think they will be considered the underdog. Just, uh, just if I'm going basic, just off of what no, I've I, been I, hearing I the non-Miami analysts uh, talk about, they t- they they are hyping. It's almost like they're talking about uh, Miami less this year than they were last. year. It will year. not open bigger than three. I'll push back on that. I, I okay. will give you that they'll get the three points because they're home. But I bet it's a three-point spread. Okay, I, I would think if it's going to lean one way. It's going to lean to four, not to two. That's what I would say. And I'm so shocked good. that I'm shocked that your instinct was to think Miami would be favored. That is genuinely surprising to me. I mean, I know they've played two bad teams, but they just look so good right now. Right now, uh, I want to switch to the Hurricanes, who lost again. They're not uh, even. Four- they're not even worth talking about. They're just a team, like always. Well, here's the thing: they play Clemson next. They're very capable of losing to Clemson at home. 
Um, and, and then they have another tough game. They play Louisville, which all of a sudden is another one of these former doormats that's now somehow better than Miami, such as Duke of all teams. So UM fans, they have to realize Mario Cristobal is a hell of a recruiter. He's had two good recruiting classes in a row. They are a better team than last year, noticeably, appreciably. And whether they end up with nine or 10 wins or not, which is doubtful now, uh, it's still going to be a better team See, in, in pretty good hands. I think. I think I think this team deserves to be criticized as much as any team in college football, because as much as Kane fans want to act like everyone's against them, they benefit from like college football wanting them to be good people thinking and assuming that they should be the most talented team in the ACC Miami starts 4-0 every year against a crappy easy schedule and they always get ranked teams like Georgia Tech Wake Forest Virginia Tech all those teams have to work a lot harder to get ranked that's fair college football is always super excited to throw Miami in the rankings as soon as they've won four in a row to start a season and they always shit the bed against someone whether it's this year against Georgia Tech like every team they've lost against it's not like there's no team in the ACC they've just beaten the last 10 years like they lose to everyone at some point I can think of every team they've lost to over like it's just they they're just the middle of the road ACC team that's it. And indicative of what you just said, the overestimation of Miami, which I agree with you, is that the game in North at number 12, North Carolina, North Carolina was favored by the home minimum three points, and it dropped to two and a half before kickoff. So they were less than a three point home favorite, which shocked me. Yeah. Um, and because I would have figured that they, they were going to win pretty handily. Um, Yeti, you're more of a baseball fan than a football fan, I think. If that's not an accurate statement, correct me. Yeah. What, what do you think of the the NL and AL championship series? Because I'm bored to tears, and, and they haven't even started yet. I think it's a terrible Final Four. I will not watch. I hate all the teams. I hate the cheating Astros. The the Texas is dull. I hate the Phillies. And, uh, who'd and who'd you the want in there? Arizona. So who the hell Dad, outside of Phoenix loves you're, Arizona? You're the like you were happy the Braves lost, but now you're like you're complaining about the teams that are in it. Like you're just. Yeah. So you just don't like baseball, it sounds it's like. A, I like a good team. The five best teams in baseball did not make the Final Four. It's a fraudulent Final Four. Let, let me cut you off there so I can crap all over your question, Greg. You just told me who the, who was in the Final Four for the baseball. <laughs> I didn't know. Oh, wow. Okay. Because <laughs> ever okay. since the Mariners got bounced. So generally, my general, I, I can just generally watch any football game. Baseball, it has to be a team that I'm into. And uh, ever since the Mariners didn't make it, I had been a little too hurt to even pay attention. I knew the Braves lost, and I knew that the Rays lost and the Orioles lost. I want to know who my dad, like, who could be the Final Four teams right now that you'd be like, all right, this is good. Okay. So Dodgers, so Dodgers, Yankees, Padres is what you want? I want, you- I want one or the other. I want great teams, like really great teams, or... I want Cinderellas. Dad, the Astros oh. and the and the Rangers are really good teams. Yeah, the Diamondbacks and, and, and the Astros it, cheat. But Dad, that's like five years ago. Like God, you're just I don't like care. they'll always you're really, Dad. To me. You're really being the guy right now that isn't watching baseball, and it's just like I'm gonna like that's that's what I that's my word association. So I'm just right. gonna lean on that. It's just like okay, okay. you 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 at least have a funny thought. if at least have a funny joke a way to say it. Like, okay, you, know. you you interrupted my thought. The Houston assholes. That's at least like funny. Yeah, that that's also a five year old joke. Uh, the <laughs> they are the Houston assholes because they, they'll always be sir. cheaters to me. What I was going to say before you interrupted me, which you were want to do, here we go, is that the Baltimore Orioles were a team you could root for. 
They had a great season, yet they're also a Cinderella team that hadn't won anything in decades. That was a team you could get behind. Um, the the Dodgers you could get behind only the because Dodgers. you can, you, you love to hate the Dodgers because they spend so much money and here they are failing. It's it's just a bad Final Four. That's all. Okay, in my opinion. Okay, okay. I mean, you you know you that kind of thing. You you criticize my opinion, but you don't have a strong opinion of your own. I'm. What do you mean? I'm. I'm. I think the Astros, the Rangers, are like the best offense in baseball this season. Okay. I I, I think the Diamondbacks are like the like the equivalent of if the Marlins made the run. Like it's it's a random team that isn't one of the best. Uh, I'm just saying it's baseball. This is like as baseball as it gets. Like this is the sport where random teams make it, and you know it's it just sounds like you're just hating on baseball right now more than. Anything in particular? I I will say the Rangers have a little bit of a Cinderella quality that I crave because they've never won anything. They're not a Cinderella story. They're the best offense in baseball. I know, but they've never won anything since being born in 1972. So that gives them the the rooting interest that I'm looking for. The crazy part about the Astros, I mean, the uh, the crazy part about the Rangers is they're every all their pitching is hurt they have max scherzer they have jacob de and they're just all injured but they're still you know with nathan uvaldi they're they're getting it done another right. marlins pitcher that just went on and had a good career he was like shite with us shout out chris whittingham right. and you know just poop just poop with us and then great somewhere else yeah they all do that when they leave here even brad um, even brad hand Oh, Got God. Good after leaving ours. <laughs> Brad Hand, one of the great names of all time. Where did that come from? He's been retired for 20 years. No, it was he? just a random guy that was like such a terrible long reliever guy for us. And then he went, I remember, I think it was to like the Padres and became an all star. He like made an all star game as just like a reliever did for he? somewhere else. And I was just like, how is this guy get good too? Like, how is this another guy that just leaves us and becomes an all star? Wow. I had no idea he was an all star. Um, do we want three facts, Jack? Not really, but you're going to do it. Yeah. There are three things that interest him, so sit right back for three facts, Jack. Number three. The most famous product of its type, Philadelphia brand cream cheese, has nothing to do directly with the city of brotherly love. It is not made there, but rather in the town of Chester, New York. The name was the brainstormer of the product's upstate New York inventor, William Lawrence, because at the time... Pennsylvania dairies were known for using full fat milk and cream to make rich cheeses in contrast to New York dairies, which mostly use skim milk. The marketing ploy worked. Besides, Chester cream cheese just didn't have the same ring. Number two. I love cream cheese. I do too, except the whipped kind. I had a half a bagel before going to the Dolphin game this morning, and it was not the solid cream cheese. It yeah. was whipped cream cheese, which is... You want some... Yeah, it's awful. It's like two different products. You want some thickness in your cream cheese. Number two, the country that drinks the most beer per capita. Greg Cody. Is not Germany. (laughs) What would you say? His country is Greg Cody. (laughs) Codia, the Isle of Codia. Uh, It's not Germany or the United States, but rather the Czech Republic, where Pilsner was invented. The Ivory Coat. <laughs> That's funny. For more than 25 years running, Czech Republic has consumed the most beer per capita at 142.6 liters annually, or nearly as much as is consumed in Greg's garage in an average week. Number one, <laughs> North Dakota. <laughs> I love it. Good. Keep them coming. This is one of my number one, is one of my favorite three facts, Jack, of all time. Number one, B. Arthur 
the American actress noted for roles as feminist Maud Findlay in the sitcom Maud, and later as Dorothy in The Golden Girls, was a U.S. Marine. That's right. She enlisted at age 20 in 1943 to support the war effort in World War II, never serving combat duty but reaching the rank of Staff Sergeant before being discharged in 1945. That's pretty cool. How about that? Definitely didn't know that. The, the country of Brad. Because <laughs> Chad, I don't know. Yeah, oh, there Chad. is a Chad, you're right. <laughs> yeah. Brad! Chad! She knows the capital of Brad. <laughs> what is the capital of Chad? That's my question. I don't know. Chris Whittingham knows because he's a fancy lad. Yeah, that's true. All right, do we want to wrap it up? He knows the capital of Chad. <laughs> yeah, I think I think we're all uh, lacking what Desmond Howard referred to as the big penis energy. We're kind of tired right now. Big yeah. penis energy. We're going <laughs> to bring that big penis energy. Put that. Oh, sound he was in. saying penix. Yeah. I didn't know that. I just thought he. I, I honestly thought he was saying big penis energy, trying to edit himself to not say big dick. No, because they're and the I, Washington Heisman. Right, Trans- penix, that makes sense. <laughs> No, but the what best does Penix part, mean? No, the best part is the way it's pronounced is his last name is pronounced Penix. Right. But in that in that for some reason he did like he was on game day, Desmond Howard doing like a piece talking about uh Penix and he just ends it by being like like playing to the crowd behind him. He cuz dad, there's a saying out there. So you have to tell my dad this cuz he doesn't know. There's a saying out there big D energy. Okay. For if somebody has if someone gives off the energy of whoa, that person as well which ron mcgill just dispelled on this episode right so <laughs> he was playing off that instead of big bleep energy he was he's gonna he bring was trying that, to say bring big penix energy but he said big, penix big but he said penix instead of penix <laughs> that big penix energy and it was just an awkward chant can we put that chant in here actually let's grab that he's gonna bring that big penix energy he's gonna bring that big penix energy he's gonna <laughs> I really thought that he said big penis energy because he kind of hesitated before and I thought he was trying to edit himself, edit the word dick out of what he was going to say. Wow. And just short circuited into penis energy. It was hilarious. I did not know he was saying penis. It or was penix. I was watching it live and I was just oh. like, this is the Pat McAfee effect. Desmond <laughs> Howard would never have done that like two years ago. <laughs> Here's a dumb question. Who's Penix? Oh my God, Dad! Is the quarterback for Utah? Dad, stop! You're like you're you're exposing yourself. The quarterback <laughs> for Utah? Utah, no. University Washington. of Washington. Oh, oh they're oh, one okay. of the best teams in the country. They just beat Oregon. Eh. And he's like, okay, okay, never heard of him. Sorry, whatever your first name is, Al Penix. <laughs> whatever it is, I'm sorry, I'd never heard of you. I apologize, Al Penix. Okay? It's Penix. <laughs> Penix, Penix, you say tomato, whatever. Al Penix. That's right. Hey, pod family, family of mine. Thanks, Ron McGill, uh, my brother in publishing. We'll uh, we'll celebrate uh, on December 5th like you wouldn't believe. I'll tell you what. And uh, until then, uh, thanks for listening as always. We appreciate you. Always will. Good night, everyone. Unless you're listening in the morning. Good morning.